Good morning. Today, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, is where the message comes from. I'm going to share it with you, and then I'm uh, going to come back and explain to you what I think it means to us. Uh, this message series is called Thin Places. We're talking about the places where we meet God. And in the Bible, in the Bible, a lot of big things happen on top of mountains. Moses got the Ten Commandments on top of the mountain. Elijah fought the false prophets of Baal on top of a mountain. Uh, big things happen on mountains. And here we see Jesus goes up on the mountainside to teach his disciples. And here he delivers the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to share the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Then we're going to go back and talk about what I think that means. And if, if you will take these, these verses from Jesus and find a place to sit with him, to just listen to them, to let them sink into you, uh, it'll become a very thin place. The teaching of Jesus is a thin place. The teaching of Jesus is a place where God becomes very, very, very real to us. Now, I'll tell you these beatitudes we're going to be talking about. The word beatitude basically means abundant happiness. Abundant happiness. That's what a beatitude It's Latin for abundant happiness. And we've heard these most of our lives, many of us have. But these are not just little nice, quaint sayings that Jesus said. These are really, if you really unpack them, they're radical. They turn things upside down. Um, they make us think very differently about who God is and what true religion is itself. So here is the text. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now what's interesting about that one is the Roman Empire, how did they make peace? The Roman Empire made peace by killing their enemies. And using armies in force. When you read here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus explains what it means to be a peacemaker. A peacemaker makes peace by eliminating the enemy, by loving the enemy. That's what he says is it means to be a member of the citizen of heaven, a, a part of the kingdom of God, is to be a peacemaker who loves enemies. That's why it's so radical, so upside down. And then he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the reading of the word of God. God's people did say. This morning, uh, God has put it on my heart to share with you uh, in a very, very simple way what I believe to be the gospel. What is the gospel? 
If I were to ask you to come up and stand in front of the congregation and to say, what is the gospel, we might have a hundred different answers to that question. And that's okay. There's a lot of different ways. I don't want to say my way of interpreting. It's the only way to interpret it. But I want you to, I really do want you to, to have an understanding when you leave this morning what I believe to be the essence of the gospel that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. There's this great parable that Jesus teaches. And in the parable, he says that one day a man was walking through a field, and as he walked through the field, he found a treasure. It was the most beautiful, awesome treasure, had been forgotten, had been lost, it was buried. He uncovered the treasure. He then immediately went and sold all his assets, everything he had, in order to buy the field, in order to have the treasure. It was so valuable, he gave up everything for the treasure. Now, I would say that in one way of interpreting that parable from Jesus is to say that what he's talking about there is the gospel. That the gospel of Jesus, when we understand what it is, is worth giving our life to. It's worth giving all of our energy to. That the gospel is the very heart of the message of Jesus, and that when we discover it, buried somewhere in a field somewhere when we discover what it is we should give everything that we have our whole life to own it to possess it to to live it and to share it I know this I know this to be true every time I stand up and I declare the gospel with passion and with simplicity people respond to the message it doesn't matter whether where it is if it's at a wedding if it's a funeral, the gospel itself is absolutely irresistible to people. And I am convinced that most people in our world have never heard it. And the reason most people in the world have never heard it is because the church doesn't share it. Because what the church continues to do, it continues to preach the same message that the Pharisees preached. That, that salvation is, is something that you earn. It's a list of rules. It's about who's in and who's out, the clean and the unclean. And that somehow or another, the church itself has missed the message of the free grace of God in Jesus Christ. But when the church drills down on that message, when the church shares the message of the gospel, it becomes that treasure people wanted and they respond to it. The last month, I've conducted four funerals in the last six to eight weeks, actually. And in every one of those funerals, I do exactly the same thing. I, I, I do my very best to honor the life of the person that we're there to honor and do my very best to bring comfort to the family, to show love and concern for the family. And boy, our church, our church just does a great job. I'm so proud of the way our church loves and serves and provides meals and cares for people. Something we do really, really well for people. But in every service, there's always this moment. It's about two or three minutes. It's not real preachy. There's this moment where I just, I just drill in with precision in that moment to bring that message of the gospel of good news to people. And, and you should see people who are sitting in a moment of sorrow, death, and suffering. What happens when they hear the message of life and hope and good news. It, it's, why I, it's why I was put on this earth. Yep. 
Because that message of good news found me. I was a treasure buried in a field. Found me and saved me and called me to that work. That's what I want to get at today. And here's what's really powerful. I was studying the Bible this week and reading this passage, Blessed are the poor in spirit, trying to understand what that phrase meant. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? And then I suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me that in that one simple verse, blessed are the poor in spirit, the whole gospel is right there in that one sentence. And blessed are the poor in spirit. That one simple sentence gives expression and voice to the gospel itself. Now, I want to share with you what that means. I want to be unmistakable to you when you leave today that you have a clear understanding of what that beatitude means and how the gospel is found in it. But to do that, I need to back up a bit and give you a little context and tell you what's happening in the story. You see, Jesus has just been baptized. And after he's baptized, he goes out into the wilderness to wrestle with his identity. Who am I? What does it mean to be the beloved son of God? What will my message be? How will I live out this message? And there he he deals with temptation. After he overcomes temptation, he immediately leaves the wilderness. And Matthew says that he begins to preach his primary message. The message of the kingdom of heaven. Begins to go everywhere and he preaches the message of the kingdom of heaven. Now let's be very clear about what that means. When he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about what happens to us when we die. He's talking about the heaven that God wants to bring to this world. How he wants to impact our world and people's lives. The problem with modern American Christianity is that we have so focused on what happens to us when we die that we've entirely missed the message of Jesus. Jesus tells us very clearly that when we die, we get to be with him. But his message was not about just preparing us for heaven. His message was about preparing us how to live here and now. You see, Jesus preaches and teaches about the abundant life in Christ in this present world. How when God crashes into your life with the gospel, it impacts your self-esteem. It impacts your family. It impacts where you work. It impacts how you minister and care for the poor, the marginalized, and what you do in this world. So he's preaching this message. He then calls disciples to him. And then it says, and it says immediately, that Jesus then went all throughout Galilee preaching this message. And because he preached the gospel, he's preaching the gospel, what happens? Big crowds started coming around. And they were bringing to him sick people, wounded people, hurt people, Lost people, excluded people. You see, that's what happens when a church gets on fire with the gospel. When a church gets on fire with the gospel and it becomes about the free grace of God, people get so empowered by it that they want to bring people. 
I've got a friend who's hurting. I've got a friend that's lost. My friend is sick. My friend is tormented with depression. Come on, let's bring them. Let's bring them. Let's bring them to the foot of Jesus and let Jesus touch their life because Jesus is a healer. And so as at Jesus, am I preaching yet? I'm going to start preaching. These large crowds begin to gather. I want you to get this picture. It says in Matthew that large crowds from Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, from the Decapolis. The Decapolis were ten Greek-Roman cities of large number in and around the Jordan River, highly populated, made up of non-Jews, Greeks and Romans. People came from Jerusalem, from Judea, and the region across the Jordan, and they were all following. The Greek for this is mishmash. That's a joke. A mishmash of all kinds of people were there. Now get this picture. Jesus is preaching this message. He's, he's drawing up all these kinds of people. He's got Gentiles, sick, broken, hurt. I mean, it's just a mass of humanity, okay? Just all kinds of people have gathered there. And in that crowd, you have a bunch of religious people who have been taught their whole life that the way to be pure is to stay away from those kinds of people. That God only loves the people who live this way, believe this way, and the religion's been built on a system of those who are in and those who are out, and you've got to rise yourself up and pick yourself up before you can get in. So Jesus is preaching to this group of people. When he says poor in spirit, keep that in mind because that's who he's talking to, this crowd. So he goes up on the mountain and he begins to preach. And then he looks at this crowd, this mishmash of people, and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now what does that mean? How would they have heard that? Well, let me tell you this. You don't want to be poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is not a positive attribute. It is not a condition that you want to aspire to. Now we have a hard time hearing that because it's often been preached that this way. Blessed are those who are humble in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty and their need for God for theirs is the kingdom. That's not what he's saying. The reason you're interpreting that way is because there's modern translations which have misunderstood the primary intent of Jesus here. You see, blessed are the poor in spirit refers to people who are lousy at being spiritual. It refers to people who don't have a leg up in the kingdom. It refers to the morally bankrupt, for the spiritually empty, for the left out, the left behind, the lame, the sick, the bedraggled, the confused, the hurt, the wounded. That's who he's talking to. The person who can't let go of his addiction. The man who yelled at his wife on the way to church. The man who asked to pray at the family dinner can't pray because he's uncomfortable praying in front of people because he feels shame and guilt about his life. He's talking to ragtag groups of people on that hillside. He's looking at them and saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are you if you're humble enough to know you need God. That's a different sort of way of looking at things. Nothing wrong with humility. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. So then when he says blessed, what does that mean? The word blessed means fortunate is. Happy are those. It's a Greek word there, kurios, which means, it means uh, favored 
are you? There's a, a biblical commentator who, who said, he said that this is God's way of saying the divine favor is with you, that, that God is on your side. Now, do you get the idea of how radical this is? You've got a group of people standing on the hillside who are religious people who have been taught their whole life, this is the in crowd, this is the out crowd. And a group of people have been taught that only the high priest can enter the holy of holies because he's clean and scrubbed clean. All right? I'm preaching now, Emory. I'm preaching, Emory. You see, you see, it's a whole different way. Instead of standing up and saying, you're blessed if you do these things. No, he's not saying that. He's not saying, here are the three steps you need to take to get God to love you. These are the four things you need to do to be included. No. He's just saying, blessed, favored are the spiritual zeros. Favored are the divorced, the broken, the addicted, the sick, the demented, the confused. Everybody in this room, more or less. Okay? The person who can't get his family figured out. It's a radical declaration of the favor of God for all of creation. powerful. Now imagine how the religious people heard it. He just opened the doors to everyone. He just basically said God's favor is for every person. You see what this is, is an announcement. It's a declaration of the message of the kingdom, of the free, unconditional grace and love of God for all people that says you don't have to clean your life up before you go to him. You go to him with your life as it is, and he will clean you up. You see, the problem is a lot of people don't get the help that they need from God because they've been taught their whole life that they got to get cleaned up, scrubbed up, dressed up before they go to him. But you see, God is not drawn to our strength. God is drawn to our weakness. We, we think that God is repulsed by the things in our life that are ugly, but instead God is drawn to it. You see, Jesus, do you remember what Jesus said? Oh, Jesus, he, he came, and in Luke's gospel, it says he stood up in his home synagogue and said, I've been anointed to bring good news to the poor, to bring liberty to the oppressed, to give sight to the blind, and to declare what? To declare what? To declare the year of the Lord's favor. You know that's why they killed him, right? They didn't kill Martin Luther King Jr. for passing out turkeys. They killed Martin Luther King Jr. for empowering the poor. You see, when Jesus looks at this crowd later in the Sermon on the Mount and says, You are the light of the world, he's talking to that ragtag group of people, not to the religious people. And so he's making an announcement, the announcement that the kingdom of God is for all people. That's the declaration of the kingdom. But we in the church sometimes we get it mixed up. We think that the gospel is a system. We think it's a doctrine. We think it's a theology. Uh, we think it's a confession. We think it's a tithe. We think it's church attendance. We think it's being a good American. Uh, we think it's saying yes and thank you and bless you. We think it's praying at the table. But it's, it's, none of those things are wrong. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not 
a system of belief. It's a person. It's a person who came down from heaven to this earth to look for treasure. I'm going to flip the parable now. I'm going to flip the parable. You remember the parable at the beginning where I said, where I said that uh, uh, the, tr- the, the treasure in the field is the gospel? Let me flip the parable. Look at it another way. You're the treasure in the field. You see, God came down from this earth to look for the broken, the lost, the buried, the discarded, covered in dirt and grime and sin, came down and was willing to give everything to uncover and to reclaim and say, you are mine. You are my beloved. I love you. I claim you. That's the announcement of declaration of God's grace for everybody on this earth. Don't you know that when you go to heaven, you're going to be standing next to the prostitute who had to earn a living at the Kit Kat Club? Don't you know when you go to heaven, you're going to have to be standing next to the alcoholic who died all alone in his apartment because he didn't know he was loved? Don't you know, when you go to heaven, you're going to stand next to the preacher who had such low self-esteem he never challenged anyone and felt unworthy his whole life of the gospel he was called to preach? Oh, let me tell you the story, Tony. I'm preaching now. Tony Campalo, preacher, goes to Hawaii. He can't sleep. Gets up in the middle of the night, goes to a Waffle House. Guy back behind the counter making waffles. He's sitting there eating his waffle. In walks some women who obviously were ladies of the evening. He picks up on one of them. Her name is Agnes. Doesn't pick her up, but I mean, you know what I mean. (laughs) He picks up on the conversation, and her name is Agnes. Here's that her birthday is the next, tomorrow's my birthday. You do anything for your birthday, Agnes? No, I've never had a birthday party. They eat and leave. He's sitting there. He's talking to the guy making the waffles and says, does Agnes come in here every night? Yeah, she comes in here every night with her friends. He says, what I want to do tomorrow night, let's have a birthday party for Agnes. So he makes the arrangements. Uh, the cook gets a cake and Puts birthday candles, happy birthday Agnes. They put up streamers, they have hats, they have blowhorns, everything. The next night at 2 in the morning, Campalo shows up at the Waffle House and in walks Agnes. And the cook holds up, happy birthday Agnes. Agnes starts to cry. Says she's never had a birthday party in her entire life. Nobody's ever said happy birthday, baked her a cake, had candles on it, nothing. It was a big celebration. Agnes wouldn't even eat the cake. She just kept sitting there looking at the cake. After Agnes and the women left, uh, the cook making the waffles looked at Tony and said, Hey, Tony, who are you anyway? He said, I'm a preacher. A preacher? What kind of church do you preach at? He said, I preach at the church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 2 in the morning. That's who I preach for because the favor of God is for all people. Come on now. That's the gospel of Jesus. And when you go on and you read the rest of the story, his, when you read the gospel, you see it over and over again. You know the story of the vineyard workers? The guy that worked one hour got paid the same that worked all day. The story of the prodigal son? Who didn't get it? The elder brother who stayed home. The old younger brother's coming back home and daddy runs out to greet him and kills the fatted calf. He didn't deserve it. 
You see, we think the gospel is what you do to get what God has already given to you for free. It's free. It's unconditional. We can come to it. He welcomes us. You are the treasure in the field. And the good news of the gospel this morning is this and this alone. That God was looking for you. He's looking for all of us. And he was willing to pay the ultimate great price of becoming a human being, looking for you, uncovering you, and reclaiming you as his own and calling you his beloved. And it is his beloved, that ragtag group of people, that are going to transform the world we live in, not with hate, not with fear, not with mean-spirited religion, but with a religion that says, God loves you. Amen.